God's word. So if you're able to stand, we would appreciate it if you stood. Amen. Genesis 41, 47 through 49. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it reads as this. As predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the building and, and, stored, and stored the grain from the surrounding fields, there we go, in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand in the, on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keep, keeping the records. Uh, because there was too much to measure. There was too much to measure. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, the preacher's going to preach about the Joseph principle. The Joseph principle. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. So God, I pray now that our eyes will be open, that our hearts are ready to hear what you have to say to us, Father God. We're ready with our cups held high, God. We want to be better. We want to do better, Lord God. We want to grow better as disciples of you, Father God, but we also want to grow in being better stewards of what you have placed in our care. So we give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we give you the honor. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said... Amen. Just turn and say something nice to your neighbor if you just smile at him. Amen. Give him a compliment. Tell him hi once again. Give him the fist bump. Amen. It's flu season. Praise the Lord. Fist bump. Fist bump. Fist bump. Flu season. Amen. Fist bump. Fist bump. Fist bump. It's flu season. Amen. <laughs> the Joseph principle. For the past three weeks, we have been looking at uh, money. We've been looking at how we are with our money from a series entitled, I'm tired of being broke. Look at, you, look at your neighbor again and say, neighbor, I'm tired of being broke. And so, hey, if some of you are in that place, I hope and pray that over the past three weeks that this has been a blessing to you and helping you uh, to be better stewards of what God has placed in your care. I've been saying this over the past three weeks, and I'm going to say it again over and over and over and over again because I believe um, it is true. I don't believe that it is the will of God, Brother Wilson, for us to be able to live paycheck for paycheck. I don't believe it's the will of God for us to be in debt all the way up to our necks that we're having to pay everybody back because we have nothing to show forth for ourselves. If we're working two or three, four or five jobs, we got unsaved side hustles, sanctified side hustles. We got all this stuff going on, trying to bring money in, but we find ourselves right back at the same place. Here it is, since God, I said this again, I'm going to say it over and over again. It's not the fact that you need more money, because you can get more money. You can have two or three jobs. You can have seven jobs. The mere fact, it's not about having more money. It's about being a good steward with what God has all already given you. It's about you being responsible with what God has already blessed you with. It's about you being good with what, what, what God has placed in your hands and not spending everything that you get. Somebody's excited now because they're ready for those taxes to hit your account and you already got your Amazon list ready. You already got your shopping trip ready, but here it is. Here it is. Could this be a moment that could this be a divine moment that God has orchestrated that before those taxes hit your account that the preacher is preaching about being good stewards of your money. Could it be that God wants you to become, God wants you to be a good steward with those taxes and be able to use that to be able to pay some debt off, to be able to use 
use that to be able to save some money, to be able to use that to put up some money for a rainy day, to be able to use that money that you can be able to take a real adult vacation this summer. I'm not talking about going to St. Louis or Memphis. I'm not knocking that out, but that you can go to the Caribbean, you can go to Cancun, you can go to Miami and be able to go on your trip, have money for your trip, and when you get back, your bills are already paid, and you're not stressing over it. Why? Because you've been a good steward. Okay, nobody wants to go to Miami. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Amen, I'm going. But here's the thing. God wants us to be better stewards with what he has placed in our care. And here it is, thanks to God. God is so great. God is so wise that he is not just concerned about our souls. He's concerned about our stewardship. Concerned about our stewardship, he, he's given us his word, his love letter to us, not just to empower us to be able to live godly lives. Absolutely, he wants us to live lives that bring him glory. He wants us to live lives that bring him honor. But he also wants us to take heed to what he has placed in his word so that we could be better in every area of our lives. God has given us his word so that we can be better singles, so that we can be better husbands, better wives, better with our finances, better with our health. He cares about every area of our lives. So here it is, saints of God. Please, please, please don't tune me out. Please don't miss what God is saying. Please don't miss this moment in this three week of our series. Please don't overlook the fact and think that everything is all well with you when it comes to your fun, when it comes to your money. All of us can use a little bit more help when it comes to our finances. I don't care how saved you are. Look, you can look at me crazy if you want to. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how long you walk with the Lord. All of us could use some extra help. And what better help than to be able to open up God's word. And he speaks to us through his words with principles that will work if we work them. Here it is, saints of God. I've been saying this. If you are going to get out of debt, if you are tired of being broke, it's going to take place when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired and your attitude changes about money and you change your ways and you begin to realize that I'm irresponsible when it comes to money. Oh, y'all done shut me down. That's okay. I'll be here next week too. Listen, he wants us to be able to see. He wants us to be able to realize it's okay for you to be able to admit the fact that I'm not good with money because he's given us his word to help us be better. So these are important conversations to have. Thank you, Holy Ghost. These are important conversations to be able to have for those that are thinking about marriage. Because here's the thing. If you are looking, oh, I can't say what I want to say because kids are in here. I'm going to say it anyway because they need to hear it. They need to hear it anyway. If you are looking for marriage, if you, if you are looking forward to marriage so that you can be able to have guilt-free sex and think this is going to be your way out of getting dead, you're missing marriage. Don't make me say it again. I got kids in here. If you're looking for the moment, if you realize it, and you're thinking in your head, I can't wait to get married. I don't have to keep going to the altar and asking for forgiveness. I can do what I need to do and not feel bad about it. And then I got somebody else that can help me be able to get out of that. Absolutely not. If you have to have the mindset that in whatever state that God has me in right now, if he has me in the season of singleness right now in my life, and I am looking forward to marriage, let me go ahead and bring some something to the marriage that's better than just what you could do in the bedroom, but bring something to the marriage that I can be able to say, hey, I got good credit. I got a good name. I'm not, I don't have a whole bunch of debt that I am bringing into the relationship. God can be setting things up to help you to be better stewards of what you have so that when you walk into the season of marriage, you have something to be able to offer other than how good you look. 
Oh, y'all done shut me down. Somebody done got mad at me. That's okay. I'm still going to say it because here it is. No matter how good you may look, no matter how good you may smell, may smell, that is not going to pay Amarin every month. You're going to need some money. You're going to need some money. You're going to need some money. If you want food on your table, you're going to need some money. If you want clothes on your back, you're going to need some money. If you're going to have some life insurance, you're going to need some money. If you're going to pay your car, no, you're going to need some money. So take this moment that you have in your life as a moment of preparation. To align your life with God's word when it comes to your finances. Do you know what a blessing it is for you to be able to enter into marriage and that person that you love so much that you want to spend the rest of your life with, just turn me up just a little bit more, that you want to spend the rest of your life with, that they love God, they love you, they love God more than they love you, they look good, they smell good, and they got good credit. Or you will take off running around the church at the wedding because you realize we won't have a problem with getting the house. We won't have a problem with doing things because they got a good name. These are things that we struggle with in our lives, but we bully the pulpit and don't want them to talk about it. But we want to hit the altar every week and ask for prayer. The issue is not asking for prayer. You can come. I can bathe you in oil. But until you make up in your mind, I'm going to make some changes in my life. You wasted my time in praying for you when you don't have the mindset that I need to make some changes. I need to change my priorities. I need to change my heart when it comes to money. I need to stop spending everything I get. God wants to be involved, and God wants to change our attitudes and our hearts when it comes to money. God wants to change our attitudes and our hearts when it comes to money. I, I, I'm struggling right now. I took my car to get an oil change, and a guy came out. He had a smile on his face. He was walking real slow and taking a long time since the rest. I said, this ain't good news right here. He came and told me. He came and told me, hey, man, how you doing? I said, listen, just cut, cut, come on, tell me what it is. And so he told me, all the oil change was great. Here's a list of things that we've noticed with your car that needs to be fixed. Cars, the 2007 Kia, listen, Kias and Hondas will keep you all the way until Jesus come back. I'm telling you, they will. They, they, they're going to keep you until the rapture or God calls you home. We've been enrolled since 2008. Car is paid for and everything. And I'm struggling. Should I get an estimate to see how much all of this is going to cost? Or should I hit up Brother Matthews to help me find that Lincoln MKS, black on black? I done, I, I done changed from a Cadillac to Lincoln now, Sister Greta. And just for I keep trying to justify my reason. I keep trying to justify my behaviors. Oh, man, I work hard. I work hard. I work hard. I ought to, I ought to get something nice for myself. And then, then the reality kick in and say, wait a minute, Swins, find out how much that's going to cost because that's a one-time fee that you will have to pay and you won't have a car. No, no matter how good you're going to look with your hat on in that Lincoln MKS and roll up. Oh, my gosh. No matter how good you're going to have it smelling and how, and how you're going to get it cleaned up real nice and good, you 
have a payment every month. But if you get this one, if you find out how much it's going to cost to get your car fixed, that's a one-time bill. So I'm stuck between two opinions. Should I get this car fixed? Or should I just go down to Offenburg and get me a Lincoln? So y'all pray my strength in the Lord that I can be able to hold fast. <laughs> the church ain't got to be born. Help me to pray for me that I can hold fast and not give in to the tricks of the enemy. Got a question to ask you this morning. Let me go ahead and get out your way. Y'all getting mad at me because you don't like me being in your business. If your check were to stop today, could you continue your current lifestyle? If, ha, somebody said, how long, talk back to me. How long could you handle, that's a better question, thank you, Sister Tanya. How long could you manage your current lifestyle if your check was to stop today? If your job were to say, listen, you are fired, you're done immediately, how long could you maintain your current lifestyle? Pastor, why do you ask that question? Because the real reality, the real reality, the real reality is this. The real reality is this right here, saints of God. Please hear me when I say this. The real reality is this. Most of us live beyond our wage. Most of us live at a capacity that, most of us live at the capacity that we're living paycheck to paycheck because we don't have good spending habits. We, 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 but many of us live paycheck to paycheck and we wouldn't be able to make it long if our jobs were to stop now because we have not saved up any money. In case of an emergency, we, Dave Ramsey says that you should have in your savings, you should have in your savings uh, 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 an amount of money that can be able to last you three to six months of your monthly expenses. Just in case anything is to happen, you can be able to survive until you get another job. If your check were to stop today, how long could you manage your current lifestyle? Oh, man, that hit right there because y'all ain't saying nothing. That hit, real, that hit real nice right there. How long could you manage your current lifestyle if your check was to stop today? I really want you to take that to heart and really begin to think about that and really begin to realize, hey, where do I need to change some things up in my, in my life? What monthly expenses do I have that I may need to cut? Oh, my gosh, have I been faithful to God? Have I robbed God? Have I been generous towards God? Have I been giving in my tithes and in my offering? Here it is, here it is. Even if you are faithful to giving to God in your tithes and in your offering, you still should have some money saved up. Oh, well, Pastor, you're not going all the way with Malachi 3 and 10. But if I give, he's going to open up the windows of heaven and he's going to pour me out of room, pour, pour me out of blessing that I won't have enough room to be able to. He's going to rebuke the devourer over my sake. Pastor, you are absolutely right. You honor God in that, in that, but you still have a responsibility, a human responsibility of saving money just in case.
Dave Ramsey talked about something in his book. I tell you, Dave Ramsey, he's just going all around the world. And he's, he's preaching and he's teaching biblical principles, helping people to be able to be financially free in their life. He's helping people. He's helping people. He's taking the word of God and he's bringing the word of God to a place that we can be able to understand and, and applying it to our lives so that we can have results. He has something in his book called The Envelope System. He says this. He says, hey, if you want to be a better steward with your money, you have to use discipline. And it's a practical step that you ain't got to do nothing but go to the dollar store and get you a box of envelopes. Scratch that. You ain't even got to go to the dollar store. You can go over to one of the little usher stations when they ain't looking and grab you a few church envelopes and take these home. I'll play it. I'll play it. Somebody look at now. Let me go. The hands up. Let me go get it. Put it down. It ain't yours. Miss Lydia looking now, I dare you. She said, I dare you to come get one. I dare you. I dare you. Get your envelope. You write on that envelope, groceries. How much are you budgeting for groceries? I'm going to put $140 cash for groceries. So that means that if I put $140 in here and I label this envelope as groceries, it's not spent on nothing else but groceries. And I'm going to have to use some math that I don't go over $140 because when I get to that counter, all I got is $140 in the envelope. I can't use my card. I may not have no spare change in my pocket. I have to go with the $140. So that means if you get to the counter and there is nothing more embarrassing to get to the counter and get ready to check out and you don't have enough money. You sitting there looking in your pocket. Wait a minute. I think I got. You know you ain't got no extra money. <laughs> I think I might. I know I have five dollars in my sock. I know it. That means that I'm going to have to put aside my pride. Oh, you know what? Put those bag of chips back. I don't need them. Where are we at now? 140.17. Okay, put those Tic Tacs back. I don't need them. We at 139. Cool. There you go. You give them that 140 and you walk away and you got a little change left. But it's discipline. Everybody say discipline. It's disciplining yourself so that you're not overspending. I don't know what it is, but Walmart has some type of anointing that when you walk in there, you can have your list. I mean, you're ready. You know, I'm going in there, milk, pampers, and wipes, milk, pampers, and wipes. And you go down there, and they got a clearance right, right there, right in front of you, things that you like. And they have the audacity to price them at a dollar. And you like, it's just... And you just, so you ask, the, you ask somebody that worked there, are you sure this? Just a dollar. <laughs> Next thing you know, you don't load your card up with stuff that you don't even need. Don't even know why you're buying it. You're buying it because it's a dollar. That's a deal. I couldn't pass that up. I can bless the church. But I'm wasting money in getting something that I don't need in the moment, whether it's groceries, whether it's bills, but with the whole, here's the whole thing though, whatever I label the envelope, that's what it has to be used for. There, can no, there cannot be any transferring of the envelopes. Let me move some money, bro. let me put this off, let me put 50 cents, no, 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 no. Whatever the envelope is labeled for, 
is what it has to be used for. This helps us to this helps us to be able to get more discipline. This helps us to begin. Uh, this helps us to begin to look at money differently, and it puts us in the place where we are financially okay. Saints of God, do you realize the stress? Do you realize the anxiety? Do you realize how you are putting yourself in a tight spot when you are going paycheck to paycheck every week? Do you realize? Do you realize the burden that you are having on your life? Do you realize how you are taking away moments from your life that you won't be able to get back because you're having to work four or five jobs? You have, and there may be a season where you may have to work a second job, but here it is. There's no point in you working multiple jobs and you're creating more bills. The purpose of working another job is to be able to decrease your bills, not to make more bills. Come on here, saints of God. Walk with me this morning. The purpose has to be, I am doing this so that I can be able to get out of debt. Here it is. Some people may say, well, pastor, listen, listen, listen. Because I am in debt, I'm not able to tithe. I'm not able to give an offering. Because I'm, not, because I'm in debt, I don't have the extra to be able to do that. But I have the mindset that if I get this second job and then I can begin um, to I can begin to move in that way and be able to begin to trust God in my ties and in my offer. Here it is. If you're making that commitment, stick with it. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah, I put my back against the wall. Oh my gosh. Because here's what I've realized about the saints of God. We will find ways to go around giving that 10% to God. We, we, will, we, will, we, we, we will curve some ways to be able to make a maze to go around because I told you all, the whole thing with money, the whole heart of the matter when it comes to money is a lack in trust in God. That I don't trust him enough that he will provide for me. That I don't believe his word is true enough that he will take care of me. That I don't rely on his word enough that he will come through for me. That I don't have to use God as an emergency plan. And when money is tight at the end of the month, then I run to God and say, God, I need you to open up a door. God, I need you to give me favor. I'm speaking into the existence. Listen, listen, you can speak whatever you want to in existence. But until you are willing to obey his principles, you're speaking in vain. And so we look for ways to buy to bypass God's systems, but we want his blessings. We want him to pull out all the stops for us, but we haven't been faithful to him. Oh, let me get to Genesis, because y'all looking at me crazy. Y'all looking at me crazy. Let's, let's go to our story right here, Genesis 41. I love this story. Because when we hear about Joseph, we hear about this dreamer. We hear, we remember about this guy. I mean, that he defies the odds with his family. I mean, he has the favor of God upon his life. His father makes him a coat of many colors. I mean, he has the favor of his father upon his life, the favor of God upon his life. And everywhere he goes, Joseph is blessed. His brother said, hey, I'm sick of him. All he does is go around talking about these dreams and all these visions that he had. They get sick of him, and they sell him into slavery. You all know the story. Just kind of giving you a recap of it, starting in Genesis 39. He, 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 they, they, 
get tired of it, they sell him into slavery and he's sold to the Egyptians and he ends up at the house of a man by the name of Pharaoh. And the whole time that Joseph is there, we can see from his life integrity because when his wife, when Pharaoh's wife came and saw, she, the Bible says she was just walking around the house minding her own business and she took a double take. She said, oh my goodness, because the Bible said that Joseph was good looking, that he was built. I mean, he had a body. He had nice muscles, all of that good stuff. And so she took a look at him. She said, wait a minute now. Pharaoh looks nothing like Joseph at all. Joseph, I mean, Pharaoh has nothing on Joseph. I mean, Pharaoh used to have muscles back in his day, but now Joseph, oh my gosh, look at the beauty of the Lord. Look at God's handiwork. Look at God's craftsmanship. And so she invites Joseph to sleep with her. And Joseph, right then, from the beginning, says, I cannot do that. My master has entrusted everything to me except for you because you are his wife. And, uh, and Potiphar's wife, I mean, she was a strong-willed woman. She went after what she wanted. She grabbed Joseph. But the Bible says that he ran out the house, even leaving behind what he had on. And she went to her husband, lied to him, and said that Joseph tried to sleep with her. Joseph thrown into prison, but get this you all, the hand of God is still on his life. That while he's in prison, he gets promoted over all the other prisons. How in the world do you end up in jail and have the favor of God on your life in jail and have the favor of God among those in the jail that you become the high prison, you become the high, you become the priest jailer? How are you in jail and you become the president of all the jailers? How, how, how does that happen? It's the favor of God that is on his life. Potiphar finds out, I said Pharaoh in the beginning, I'm sorry. Potiphar finds out that there is something special about this man named, there's something special about this man named Joseph. And Potiphar says, I realize ever since he's been in my house, my house has been blessed. Everything that he has touched it has been blessed. Everything that he has spoken, everything that he has said, it has come to pass. It has been blessed. So he gets promoted in Potiphar's house. He's having to handle some family issues that he has. Here in Genesis chapter 41, chapter 40, Pharaoh is having some dreams. Pharaoh at this time, he gives Joseph one of his daughters as a wife. He has children. Joseph is having, Pharaoh is having dreams, I'm sorry. Pharaoh is having dreams and he can't really interpret these dreams. Pharaoh has a dream that there are seven cows. They're skinny, they don't look too good, they don't look too healthy, but the dream doesn't make sense. He calls some of the magicians to be able to interpret the dreams. Nobody's able to interpret the dream. He has another dream when he sees seven cows that are plump, they're good, they're pretty, they're nice. Finds a magician, nobody else can be able to interpret the dream for him. The cupbearer says, the baker says that, hey, you know what? I almost forgot. There was a brother that I met named Joseph that is able to interpret dreams. I think if you can text him real quick, he can be able to help you and make sense of your dreams. So he calls Joseph. Joseph comes on the scene. He begins to interpret to him what the dreams were. I love the words that Joseph used. I'm kind of paraphrasing. I love because Joseph lets, lets, lets Pharaoh know that, hey, it's not me that's doing the interpretation. It's God working through me. So he's the one that's going to reveal and, and show you exactly what this is and, and help you to be able to make sense of it. He tells him, he says, hey, the seven scrawny um, cows means that there is going to be seven years of lack. 
ain't going to be nothing. He says the seven years of the plump cows, that they're going to be seven years of prosperity. But he urges them, in the seven years of prosperity, you need to save up. So that when lack comes and when the season of scarcity comes, you can be able to have something. Here it is. Here's a principle. Here's a principle. Here's a principle. I'm going to hurry up because y'all looking at me real strange. Y'all making me nervous. Amen. You're making me real nervous. You can mess up my car. I got good insurance. Amen. That might be my way to my Lincoln. Amen. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> Here's the principle. Here it is. Moments of surplus is the perfect time to save. When there is extra that is coming your way, when God supernaturally or just something just happens that you have extra, that is the perfect time for you to say, please don't miss this, things of God. Please don't miss this. Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh understands this principle. He understands that in our seven years of prosperity, in our seven years where there is no financial stress, in our seven years where there is no financial burden, where there would be no grain, there would be no food, there would be no water around Egypt, the Nile is going to be dried up, that we need to store up as much as we can so that when the seven years of lack comes, we can have something to to be able to fall back on. We can have something to be able to fall back on. I know I keep messing with y'all with y'all taxes, but could this be a great time that when those taxes hit your account, that you can take some of that. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy yourself. I'm not saying that you can't get stuff for yourself, but could this be a moment set up by God that he can be able to take some of that, you can take some of that and save it up for a rainy day. When God has blessed you with more, when God has made a provision on your behalf that goes beyond way and beyond, he's opened up the windows of heaven and poured you out a blessing, that is the perfect time to be able to save. Here it is, saints of God, here it is. Some of us, when it comes to money, we get so spending happy that as soon as we get money, we want to let it go. Have you ever had a little money, a little, I, mean, I mean, just a little bit of a piece of a money, and you had some money, and the next thing you know, you turn around, and you're so confused, you're trying to figure out, wait a minute, where did my money go? I mean, I mean, you got a real attitude now. I mean, you start backtracking yourself. You said, wait a minute, I, don't went, I went to McDonald's Tuesday. I went to Chick-fil-A Wednesday. Macy's had that going out of business sale, went there. I went to Pier 1, they got it going out of business sale too. I ate lunch. I placed my order for my Amazon list. And then you begin to realize, well, all your money has gone. When there are moments of surplus, that is the ideal time to start saving. Here's what we do, saints. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. We will spend and we will do what we want to do with our money, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. And then when something tragic, when something hits our life that we are not able to do, the first thing that we want to do is we want to rely upon the generosity of other people. Let me tell you this, saints of God. There is nothing wrong. Please don't hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you should not ask for help. 
But your, your financial emergency should not be my burden. When you have been irresponsible, oh God, y'all don't like this. When you have been irresponsible with what you have. Your financial emergency should not, and depending on who you are, will not be my burden when you have not been financially responsible with what you have. It's unfair to hijack somebody else because you didn't do right with your money. And then you want to say, well, I thought you was the Christian. You're supposed to be nice and generous. <laughs> well, I thought you had common sense and used wisdom with your money. Moments of surplus are great moments to start saving money. I'm so glad that Pharaoh listened to what Joseph said. He said, hey, I'm letting you know what the dream means. You're going to have seven years of prosperity. You're going to have seven years of lack. Go ahead and start storing things up and be prepared for when the lack comes. He's letting him know this is a certainty. The seven years of lack are going to come. But if you listen to wisdom, you will be prepared. You have to understand Pharaoh is not just looking out for his house. He's looking out for an entire nation that is depending upon his leadership to make the best financial decision, not just for his house, but for all of Egypt. Let me say it again because you all didn't get it. Pharaoh is not just making the financial decision for himself, Dr. Lane, but he's making a financial decision for an entire people that are depending upon him and his wisdom and his insight to make the best decision for everybody. Because if he stores up stuff for seven years, they won't have to worry when it comes to lack. But if he doesn't, and he neglects what Joseph says, an entire people could die. Whether you are married, whether you are single, your financial decisions not only affect you, but it affects those that are tied to you. If you are married and you have a spouse and you have one kid, two kids, three kids, however many kids that you have, your financial decisions not only impact your life, but they impact your entire household. And your household is dependent upon you to make the best financial decisions possible because what you do or don't do, they will be benefactors of it. So if you take your taxes, somebody like, man, I wish you'd stop talking about my taxes. Dag, I already got plans for it. Now the Holy Spirit convicted me. Dag, pastor, stop talking. <laughs> when you get your taxes, ask God. Thank you, Kenny. Ask God to give you wisdom, to give your money direction. Ask God to give you wisdom on where to send your money, to give you wisdom 
on how to be a good steward of what you have. Because again, please hear me when I say this. Please hear me when I say it. Please hear me when I say it. That what you do or don't do, it will not only impact your life, but it will impact the lives that are connected to you. So it was so imperative that Pharaoh moved with wisdom. It was so imperative that Pharaoh listened to what Joseph had to say. He asked him for his advice, so he had to take it. He should have taken it. Because a nation, a people, would be blessed or suffering, depending on what decision made. If nobody else is going to help me preach, my baby is going to help me preach this morning. Here it is. Here's another principle. Increase, I like this right here, is tied to how you steward what you have now. Increase, more, surplus is tied to how you steward what you have right now. Here it is. Increase, more, surplus is tied to how you steward what you have now. Please hear me. And you can look at this from the life of Joseph because in every spot that God put Joseph in, he stewarded well. Oh, yeah, 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 not Bible readers. If you go back to Genesis chapter 39 and you follow his life, you follow Joseph's life, you look at him when he's in that jail. You look at him when he's been lied on by Potiphar's wife. You look at him when he's sitting there going back and forth with people. In every spot that God had him in, yes, the hand of God was on his life, but Joseph stored every place, every foot, every spot that his foot touched. Joseph stored every area, every moment of his life well. And because he was able to steward those moments well, God knew I can trust Joseph with more because I've watched his life. I've seen when his brother was in jail. And he did absolutely nothing. He didn't try to fight. He didn't try to snap back. He didn't put nothing. He didn't put a video up on Instagram or put something up on Facebook Live. No, no, no. He held true to his integrity and his character. God saw that he could trust Joseph with somebody else's stuff and he treated it better than he did his own. Your increase, your more, your surplus is tied to how you steward what you have right now. Oh, well, Pastor, you, Pastor, you just don't know. I ain't, I ain't, Pastor, come here. Let me tell you something. I ain't got a whole lot to work with. You're right, you're right. But I'm reminded of a story in the Bible that Jesus had about 5,000 people to be able to feed. They were hungry, and then they, the, the disciples wanted to send them back home. But the Jesus said, no, I need you to feed them before you put them on the road. There is no McDonald's. There is no windows for them to be able to hit up on the way back. I need you to feed them right now. They said, well, Pat, they said, Jesus, wait a minute now. And we will have to work days to be able to gain enough wages to be able to feed all of these people. It's 5,000 people, not including the 
women and children that need to eat. Jesus says, okay, okay, what you got? And some, the disciple rose up and said, well, there's a little boy with a lunchbox with two fish and five loaves of bread. They hijacked this little boy's lunchbox and they bring it to Jesus. Jesus says, well, go ahead, the little bit that you have, have everybody sit down, tell them to sit down, get them in order and bring me what you have. And Jesus stood up there in front of the people, the little bit that he had of two fish and five loaves of bread and said, Father, I thank you for what you are about to do right now. And then all the disciples became servants right there in that moment and they gave out food and they gave out food and they gave out food and they gave out food. The Bible says at the end of it, everybody got up and walked away home, walked away full and had leftovers. It does not matter what you have, the little bit of job that you have, the little bit of money that you have, if you give it to God and say, God, I thank you. I thank you for what you've already done. I thank you for what you are about to do. And you put it into the hands of the master. And I am a witness. When you put little in the hands of Jesus, he has a way of maximizing and turn that bad boy out and allow you to have more than you could ever think of. But it's a matter of trust. Do I trust God enough to put it in his hands? Thank you, Sister Carrie. Do you trust God enough to thank him in advance before he even does anything? Took what they had. And Jesus multiplied. More it's tied to how you steward what you have right now. How are you maximizing what you already have? Man, how, 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 are, are you setting yourself up a budget every week, every month, so that you can be able to steward what you have well? Are you putting yourself on the spending freeze because you realize you go overboard? Are you setting things in place so that you can be able to pay your bills on time? Stop having your kids answer the phone and telling you and, and telling the bill collector that you're out at home. You're teaching your children how to be crooked. Don't pop them in the mouth when the teacher calls home and tell you they lie. You taught them how to lie. Well, I have no idea where they got them from. Yes, you do. You lie. You told, and listen, you talk to a kid long enough, they'll tell you, yeah, mama tells me all the time. Daddy tells me all the time. Big mama tells me all the time when they call to tell me that she ain't here, but she be in the room watching Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> Don't pop them kids, because you taught them. You taught them how to be crooked. And here it is. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Here it is. So now what we have, now what begins to happen, you have another generation that repeats the same financial habits of the previous generation. I know how to lie because I was taught to lie. I'm not home. I ain't got the money to pay you back. But you just bought some product cologne. Oh, they don't want to talk to me today. So we have to teach our children not just about Jesus, but we have to teach our children 
about money so that they can start to realize that money has a purpose, that money has value, so that as they're going through life and as they get older, they can realize and say, hey, 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 no, I started tithing when I was two months because my parents taught me the principle of tithing, and I've been doing this all of my life, and I can testify and say that God will make a way. I can testify and say that he will open the windows of heaven and pour you out in the blessings that you don't have room to receive because I've been taught. I remember as a child that my pastor taught about it in church. So I applied those same principles as a child that grew with me as an adult. It has to be a merging of generations when it comes to money. There has to be conversations when it comes to money. There has to be teaching, not just in church, but in our homes when it comes to money. Developing good habits when it comes to money. Teaching them when they get a job. I don't care if it's just cutting grass, braiding hair, doing lashes, whatever, shaving hairs. I don't make a difference, whatever it is. Teaching them, hey, you tie, you give it back to God, you save, and then you do what you want to do. With limitations and boundaries. Teaching our children about money. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. I've got to get out of here. Y'all are getting real. Y'all looking at me real mean. Y'all looking at me real tough. Amen. Proverbs 6. But I ain't scared of your faces. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach it anyhow. I told you mess with my car. I dare you to. I'm going right to Offenburg. Do it. Call my insurance up. All state. <laughs> Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Here it is. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways. I didn't call you lazy, Solomon did. Get mad at him when you get to heaven. I didn't say it. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. <laughs> I love it. Solomon says, you humans that have been made in the likeness and image of God, I want you to take the time and study the life of an ant and began to realize that if you are ever going to put the principle of saving in your life, first of all, get this, he says it right there, you can't be lazy in doing it. You can't be lazy in saving. You can't be lazy in trying to do better with your money. He says, I like what he says. 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 He says, though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. Here it is. Here it is. Ants have no leadership Ants don't have a supervisor. Ants don't have a boss. But they know enough that we, we can't be lazy. We have to work. But the working will pay off because I work all summer long in gathering. And then when the winter comes, I can sit back and chill. If ants understand the principle of saving... What's wrong with us as humans? If ants
Saints don't need any type of leadership to save. Why do we got to be pumped and primed? Why do we got to be pushed and encouraged? Your saving benefits you in the long run. You saving your money helps you so when you hit a tight spot, hey, get out of, you don't have to go to a payday advance. You don't have to set up a GoFundMe account. You have what you need to do what you need to do. Let me hurry up here. Advance don't need leadership to save. Then what's our problem? What's our issue? Can I tell you what it is? Because we simply just don't want to do it. We would rather forfeit tomorrow to enjoy today. We would rather forfeit a glorious future because we don't want to wait. And we want it right now. And we want it right now. God has given us his word to help us be better stewards of what he has placed in our hands. Now, here's the flip side to saving. Let me help us with our hearts because money is a hard issue. Saving should never be an excuse to be greedy. <laughs> saving is never an excuse to be greedy. Now, we have to put these things in their proper place because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will be on this whole saving thing, and I got to save my money, and I got to save my money. And I, ah, no, 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 I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, no, I can't help you. I can't help in that way. No, 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 no. I need to save. I got to save my money. And what will happen is we will become greedy and not think about anybody else. But only think about ourselves. Let me read to you a story from Luke chapter 12. I'm about to get out of here. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. You all know the story. It says this, it says this, it says, it says, then he told the story, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he says, aha, I know. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have done well. You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be married. But God said to him, you fool, you would die this very night, then who would get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person who is a fool to serve all earthly wealth, but not, but not have a rich relationship with God. What is the principle that Jesus is trying to get us to understand multiple things that he wants us to be able to get maybe to understand? Because he asked the guy and he questions the, questions the guy, if you would have died tonight, who would get everything that you've had? You built your life around yourself. And taking care of yourself, never thinking of anybody else. 
Oh, man, we got to guard our heart towards greed because even in the midst of you saving, do you trust God enough if God tells you to give that you can be able to trust him enough to be able to give it and knowing that God will give it back to you? Can you trust him enough that if he says that I want you to bless this person with this and listen, don't worry about if they give it back to you or not. I'll take care of you, but I just want to see if you would trust me enough to do what I'm asking you to do. Saving should never be an excuse to become greedy. Come on, saints, be real with me this morning. We have to guard our heart towards greed. We have to guard our heart towards greed. We have to protect our hearts towards greed because if we're not careful, it will find this way and just maneuver and just come in and you turn around and be like, whoa, wait a minute, when did you get here? And we won't think about ourselves. Nothing worse to meet somebody that they're able to be a blessing, but they refuse to be a blessing. You have the means to help, but you won't. Here it is, we get churchy. Well, I pray the Lord make a way. No, Lord, the Lord wants to use you to make a way. Oh, they, they ain't my holy. No, that is a Holy Ghost talking. The Lord wants to use you. He's provided you with the means to help. He wants you to trust him enough to use what he's already given you to steward it well and to be a blessing. Pastor, how do I apply everything that you just said? How do I apply this to my life? We're getting ready to go. How do I make this make sense, Pastor, when it comes to saving and putting things in the right perspective in my life so that I'm not having to live from paycheck to paycheck so that if something happens in my life, I'm not having to depend on somebody else, but I have it. I have what I need to be able to get through what I need to get through. Here's what Dave Ramsey talks about in one of his books. He talks about creating an emergency fund. I want you to set a goal for yourself. That before summer hits, that you have at least $500 saved up in case of an emergency. By the summer, start off. Once you get the five, then go to a thousand. That you have five, starting off with $500 by the summer, saved up for an emergency. Here it is, saints of God. Make sure you define and allow somebody to help you to define what an emergency is. <laughs> have somebody help you. Have somebody hear what your definition is. Well, Pastor, I, you know, I, I got to cook last night. I got to eat, Pastor. The Bible says, man, can I live on bread alone? I, I got to eat, Pastor. <laughs> because you did not cook last night to have leftovers, your emergency fund should not be used to go to the dollar line at McDonald's. Your emergency fund has to be just for that, an emergency and not for irresponsibility. By the summer, 500 saved up. Pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could do five. Two, no, I'm gonna keep it at five. We need a standard to be able to stretch ourselves too. By the summer, 
500. Once I get to five, by the end of the year, let me have a thousand saved up. So that if something comes up, something happens, keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me. Something happens with my car. I ain't got to stress. I got it. I can handle it. We good. An unexpected bill comes up. Oh, chop. Got it. I'm good. Payday advance? Nope. I'm not coming to see you. I got my own payday advance. I got it right here. I'm good. An emergency trip comes up. May I have to go see a family member? Oh, I got my gas, my hotel, and food from Harold's. Praise God. I'm good. I'm just saying, we might as well go to Chicago, get some arrows, get some garrets, praise the Lord, hallelujah. All of this is to help us get to a place of financial freedom. To get to a place that we have in our view, I'm going to be debt free. I'm going to be debt. I'm going to be debt. I'm going to be like Romans. I ain't going to owe nobody but love. Be, be, be debt free. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Let, let, let's, let, let's, let's dream for a moment. Can you imagine that you ain't got no car note? Can you imagine your house being paid for? Can you imagine? I know I'm going to get some shouts right here. Can you imagine no student loans? Hey! I will flip. I will flip. You hear me? Flip. I'll turn the podium over there. I will turn it over. Juice and all. Ford, I'll clean it up, though, but I'm turning it over. Can you imagine that you're not having to depend upon a credit card to make ends meet? But you can, pray, you can pay your credit cards off, cut them up, because you have better stewardship that you can manage and budget your money better? It can happen, but here it is. Hear me, and I'm closing with this. It's going to take work and it's going to take discipline. Discipline meaning that you're going to have to tell yourself no sometimes. You know, you're going somewhere and you're going to get happy with that card. Leave your card at home. Take a few dollars with you to make sure you don't get stranded. Get your Uber if you got to. Oh, that's right. That's right. Take Apple Pay off your phone. Some of the all past, I ain't doing that. Okay. <laughs> this is not something just to give us good hopes to be able to run on the shop. This is a reality that we can be able to experience here on earth. It's going to take work, and it's going to take discipline. Come on and put those hands together. We got to go. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, there may be somebody here today, man, I want to pray for you. I, I, I want to pray for you. Our, our intercessors are coming now. Our prayer team is coming now. We want to pray for you. We want to pray.